This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're getting ourselves under control in episode number 193. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hey mama, today's goal is pretty simple. We are going to talk about calming everyone down in today's episode. My name is Kristen Burgess and I work with pregnant and new mamas who want to have a great pregnancy and who want to have a natural, even a beautiful and sacred birth experience and who want to intentionally create a peaceful home that is filled with the laughter of a happy family. This episode is really going into that concept of a peaceful home because that's something that I've been working intentionally on this year for myself and my family and I feel like I've got some wisdom that I can share with you because I think it's something a lot of moms want. The truth is everyone in a family can get upset and it can really become a cycle of stress, anger, anxiety that just keeps perpetuating itself. And and this is something that is in common in every family. Like some of us may handle it well, some of us may come to adulthood well adjusted with, you know, pretty reasonably attached childhoods without much trauma and you just feel like you can do this or you've developed a lot of resilience. But some of us need to do learning and healing to develop that resilience and those strategies that help. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And the whole family ends up calmer and happier when you're intentional about this. I probably talked about this on the podcast before. I know I've talked about it in live videos in the Facebook group. But there's this concept of the good enough mother. And I wanted to lead with the good enough mother because... I want you to realize that you don't have to be perfect. In fact, it's not even desirable to be perfect. What research shows us is that the good enough mother is the perfect mother. Because if you had a perfect mother who never messed up and met all of her kids' needs at all times and was just perfectly perfect, then children would have no resilience whatsoever. They wouldn't be able to handle anything on their own as they got older or as they reached adulthood because they wouldn't have ever developed any coping skills or strategies. So what we want is the good enough mother, a mom who is present most of the time, who works intentionally to shape a healthy home and who teaches her children intentionally, but who also messes up and sometimes has her own stuff going on, like her own emotional stuff going on that her kids see her handle, and also like her own life going on. Your life does not have to revolve around your kids. This is going way, 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 way back to the beginning of my mothering journey when I was learning and studying, and I'll link to it below, but I read a book called The Continuum, The Continuum Concept, um, which was, I want to say, Jean Liedloff. That may have been a hyphenated last name. I'm, lo- I'm not looking at it to tell right now, but... Anyways, you know, she was an anthropologist looking at other cultures, and and what she found was that those cultures were child-inclusive but not child-centric, and that's really what we want to be like. You don't want your life to revolve around your children. It should certainly include your children in large measure, but what I'm saying with the good enough mom is a mom who's attentive, who cares for her children, who teaches her children the skills that they need, both practical and emotional and academic and all of that. Um, but also gives them space. So she's not a helicopter parent, to use a today's terminology. So what I'm talking about in creating an intentional home, and I touched on that with the launch of Chaos to Calm and with you know, with what I've talked about over the past couple of episodes where we talked about ditching the housework and handling life as a working mom and this beautiful mosaic that becomes your week and your weeks and then your months and your years is not a woman who's perfect, but a woman who's intentional and who shapes her world intentionally because you have a lot of power. And I'll come back to that too. Uh, And that, you know, that's really what we want is we want to be intentional, not perfect. Because our imperfections are part of what gives us the chance to teach our children that even in our imperfections, we can handle it, we can apologize when we're wrong, and we can also choose to live a happy life, even when it's not a perfect life. So let's jump into some things. Uh, I've mentioned this on a few episodes recently, the, the little, the little, I guess, quip that was made in the South when I was growing up, that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And it's really, really true. Calming yourself down, this self-care, your mindset is essential to 
to the happiness of your family. Your happiness is essential to their happiness. And again, I don't want to discourage you if you're struggling with depression or dark feelings. I I, I, I say this a lot on the podcast now. It was hard for me to talk about it for a long time. But I've been single mothering for four and a half, four and a half plus years now, following absolute devastating crisis in my family. And I was in a dark place. You know, I wasn't really able to be super emotionally available to my kids because I was just struggling to survive and struggling to get through everything that was going on. And yet, like I mentioned on last week's episode, when I look back, First of all, when I look back over the past four and a half plus years, I'm super proud of how far we've come and what I did, what I did a year ago and two years ago and three years ago, all of the steps that I took that have helped baby step forward from that time. But I especially feel super proud right now because I feel like this summer, this past summer, this past fall, I really feel like I'm not going to say things are perfect. There's still a lot of ups and downs, but I feel like I'm kind of coming out of it. I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Part of it might be because I'm in my last year of my degree too, but I'm starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel and I feel really proud. And so if you're one of those moms who's in a place that's really dark and you're just in survival mode right now, I just want to encourage you that it doesn't last forever. Life is an impermanent thing. And these times may be tough, but they don't last. So don't think that I'm condemning you or that I'm talking about a life that may not be realistic for you, because I hope that the tips that I give you today will be helpful to you in starting to to baby step your way towards something different. But they're given in love, and they're given from somebody who's really been there. Maybe my situation doesn't look exactly like yours, and yours doesn't look exactly like mine. I hope to God yours doesn't look like mine. But... I want to encourage you that even if you're like, well, Kristen, I'm never happy and maybe I'm doing damage to my kids. I want to encourage you that that's not the case and that you do have a lot of power. So let's move on. But, you know, with that little caveat, I think I mentioned the Madonna's cloak a couple of episodes back, which is a concept from Waldorf education that that mama has an energy or, or an aura around her that pervades the family, which might sound a little woo woo, but if you're listening to this, you probably got a little bit of that woo going on anyways, because I really feel like it's truthful. Like there is this mom's, like this energy and this sense that pervades the family. And I think I shared on a past episode, I was, I was recording on a day that had been a really hard day. And like I had really intentionally worked that morning realizing I am in a really difficult place right now emotionally inside of me. And I know that that could drag my kids down. And I do not want it to. And so I worked really hard that morning. And, and I, But I also knew that I was then going to have time away from the kids in the afternoon. And I actually ended up having an appointment with my counselor too. Like it was a, a, a counseling day. So I knew that I was going to be able to talk through some of those feelings and deal with those. If I didn't have a counselor or... You know, if I wasn't going to be going out and about, I might have chosen to go into my room or even my bathroom and close the door with my journal or just with my tears or something. You know, so I realized that, but what I'm saying with that is that I I realized that my energy could profoundly impact my kids and I didn't want it to impact them super negatively because I wanted to leave the house with everybody doing reasonably well. So I worked really hard at having healthy responses for them, knowing that I would be able to process my feelings later. And so that's just an illustration of realizing that your energy as a mom has a big impact. It doesn't mean that you have to hide things. Like I had, and I think I'll come back and talk about this later in the episode, but I had a really difficult time recently at an event that we went to where somebody said something to me that, that was definitely a trigger. It probably impacted me much more than it should have, but you know, I just sobbed. I, I did leave. Like it was a, an overnight event. So, but I went back to our room where we were staying and cried. And some of my kids came in and out during that. And you know, they could see that mama was crying. So I'm not saying that you need to be perfect, that your kids should never see your emotion, because I think they need to see you handle emotion in a healthy way. But I also want you to be aware that it's good to work on finding healthy ways to deal with your emotions, because they do impact your kids. And I, I get that it feels unfair. Like some, I think it feels, I think the reason that it feels the most unfair is because, 
you know, while when, when a dad is tense or angry, there can be this walking on eggshells type of thing, I don't think that it has the same soul effect as it does on our family when mom is in a bad place. Like, it, it just, it might be we need to tiptoe around, but then when dad's gone or whatever, things feel better. But when mom is down, it can really be a powerful thing. And that can feel unfair. But most of the time, I honestly believe that it's a huge blessing because by choosing how you act and how you cope, you you help shape your family in a really powerful way. And that is a gift of being a mama. And it also gives you a great insights into how you can help your family, even if you feel like they're not where you guys want to be right now. I mean, it may be your mother's intuition, or it may just be that you have a level head, or whatever, however you want to think about it. But I also think that with having say, said that about the power of moms, that it does need to be cultivated. And that's why calm down routines, which is the topic of this episode, are essential for the whole family, starting with you. The whole reason I carried on about that was because calm down routines are essential to you. Don't be afraid to take a moment. Like I just said, I took a long moment for the issue that I was talking about at the event that we went to. Like, I, you know, I kind of checked out for a bit there because I was really triggered. But, you know, if you need to take a moment, even in the bathroom, like taking five minutes, ten minutes, three minutes, if that's all that you can spare, can be really helpful. I even think this is true. Like, if you've got a little baby who is just a pretty fussy kid and is crying a lot, And you need to lay that baby down in a safe place, put baby on a blanket on the floor, put baby in the pack and play or in a crib, even in their car seat, and go shut the door and take a few minutes to yourself. I think that is okay. Even if baby is fussing or even if baby is crying, I may not be super popular among all the AP parents, but I've had eight kids and I've raised kids in varying states of support and non-support. And sometimes it's just hard. And if you need to take a minute, then you take a minute. Because if you can take a minute and get a clearer head and cry and sob for a minute and then think through, okay, what are some strategies that will help or what will at least help me to survive through this time, then it's going to be better if you just keep spiraling downward as your little one is spiraling downward. And it could be that that gives you a moment to get to sob for a minute, get yourself calm and realize, oh, this music I'm listening to is pretty good and go put it on your Bluetooth speaker and put that baby in a baby carrier and dance. My second baby was by far my fussiest and I spent a whole lot of time dancing around the room to the radio with him. So Whatever it is that you need to do, but sometimes giving yourself that space and that permission to feel that emotion and to take that time for yourself to really feel what you're feeling, even acknowledging it, that's something that's hard for me. Sometimes I have to sit and go, like, what am I really feeling? Am I feeling overwhelmed or whatever? My my counselor put it, put it well at, at my appointment recently. He said, you know, it feels hard because you feel like never in your life have, you know, have you been the first, like... Everybody has always had somebody else or something else that felt more important than you for most of the time. And I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. That was pretty perceptive. And even if I'm not going to let that dictate me, it's helpful for me to think about when I'm feeling sad or when I'm struggling with something. Could that angle help me to understand it more? So anyways, sometimes taking that space for yourself can help you gain some perspective or step back a minute. So don't be afraid to take a moment. Make sure that everybody's in a safe place and take a moment. Or another thing that I'll sometimes do is put in headphones while I'm in the room with my kids and I'll say, you know, mama's overwhelmed. I'm going to listen to some music for a minute. I'm still right here. And sometimes if I'm overwhelmed with a kid who's also overwhelmed, I'll just sit there with them in my lap and cry with them. You know, I'll just be present with them and it's clear that neither one of us is really okay, but we're both safe and we're both just dealing with it and in a little while it's kind of like, okay, now what will we do? And sometimes it can mean like vegging out with your kids like, oh my gosh, today is such a hard day. It's been really tough. Let's take, you know, let's just watch a movie together. (laughs) You know, so those sorts of things can also be ways that you take a moment for yourself and it could be like while you put on that movie for your kid like maybe you get some laughs in that really help but maybe there's some moments where they're entertained by the movie and you're able to do some thinking and some reflection that helps you or even you know if you got a journal right there like jotting down in your journal or something so 
One of the things that I endeavor to teach my kids is to be able to handle things calmly, like even in the moment. I'm going to come back to this when we talk about kids specifically, like being able to choose in the moment when something is upsetting you to respond calmly, even if you're upset. But I also teach them that sometimes we just need a moment. Like I said, what was going on with the event this weekend, like that trigger and that crying. I needed a moment, like a lot of moments. Um... And I needed to talk to my counselor about it. And so I taught my, and I teach my kids, you know what, if you're, if you're having a fit, if you're crying, screaming, raging, whatever you want to say, and mama says, okay, I need you to close your eyes and take three deep breaths, which is what I usually say if, if a child's out of control, I tell them, you know, you have the option to say, mama, I need a minute. And then we have a calm down spot, which I'll come and talk, talk back and talk about in a minute. They could go to the calm down spot or sometimes you know, for me, sometimes taking a walk helps. So I'll let them go outside and walk around as well. So, you know, I always teach them that, yes, what you should do is close your eyes and take three deep breaths. But it is also completely acceptable for you to say, Mama, I need a minute because you realize that you need a little more time than that. Because I think that's healthy. Because I think most of the time when I'm in an upsetting situation, I want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to choose to handle this calmly. But sometimes like a situation like I was talking about at the event where there's a trigger that goes way, way, way deeper than, you know, just somebody stepped in front of you in line or whatever. Um, Because this trigger was like, it hit at my core. You know, I needed a minute. And so I want to teach my kids ways to handle that. So when you, you know, you have to use your judgment and grow your skills as well. But when you realize that it's something that's really overwhelming or you really need a minute, take a minute and teach your kids to as well. And then a few more tips for you is build self-care into your life. Do what nourishes you. Like I'm I'm not super good at doing this for myself. I feel like I'm better at some seasons than in others. It's definitely easier in the summer when we're not also trying to do homeschool so I can sleep in a little bit longer. I, I tend to sleep about 30 minutes to an hour longer in the summer. And I also have more time for myself, like to walk or to exercise or whatever. But I do try. So like something I've recently started for myself is one thing that really nourishes me, I probably mentioned this before, is being able to read and just be with my books and kind of work my way through books that I want to get through. But with being in school, a lot of my reading time goes to doing school assignments. So anyways, one of the things that I did for my kids recently is we do school with a kind of non-traditional school day or school week. We school Sunday through Thursday. And then we have Friday mostly free. I do a lot of planning on Fridays for the next week for homeschool, for business, and for my homemaking stuff. So I do a lot of planning and then I tend to do schoolwork and stuff on Fridays as well as do a lot of meal prep on Friday afternoons. So it's helpful for me not to have the kids have to do school with the kids. But I was recently watching another YouTuber and I learned about uh, a resource called Fun Schooling. And I've got one of the books right here so I can tell you the mom who publishes it. Hang on. Um... So if you search for fun schooling, you can find it, but um, the thinking tree. So I'll put that in the show notes as well, but it's the thinking tree. And she has all these books that are called fun schooling books. And they're basically like interest-based books to help kids get into their schooling lessons. And so I saw this on a YouTube video and thought it was really cool. My kids are kind of into Minecraft right now. So she had some Minecraft fun schooling books, which is what the mom was showing off on YouTube. And so I got the Minecraft fun schooling books for for four of my kids. And I made one for Phoenix based on some pages off in theirs as well as the Minecraft coloring pages. But and then we went to the library and, and got all the books and everything. But I was watching some of her videos. I don't know the mama's name and I apologize for that. But the fun schooling mama, I was watching some of her videos and she was talking about mom schooling. And she talked about putting together a mom school basket. And you may not pull out the mom school basket when your kids do fun schooling. So for my kids, they have a fun schooling period every Friday for a little while to pull out their books and their workbooks. And then some afternoons, they have a free period and they want to do fun schooling then too because it's all interest-based. So it's really cool. Um, And... So I might not pull out my mom schooling basket every time they do that, but I did decide to put it together. I got I got the mom schooling book, which is which is just fun. It's got places for you to write down the books you're going through, but it's also got times for you to write down your vision and things you want to do as well as things you want to do with your kids, meal planning. It's just it's fun. 
I like it. It appeals to me. May not to you. But so I put together a basket with books that I've been wanting to read and just haven't gotten to. And then I, I wrote their names down in my mom schooling book. And I put a time on the schedule on Fridays when they're doing their fun school that for a little bit I can pull out that basket. And then there's a couple of afternoons a week where I'm home all day. I don't have any errands or anything. And there's like a 30 minute period on those days when I can pull it out. And the reason I'm going on about this is A, in case you're interested, I want to let you know that you've got resources to go check it out for yourself. But also, it's because that is a self-nourishing thing for me. Like just seeing the basket, I have it at my feet right now. Just seeing it, it's sitting it's sitting at my feet right now as I'm recording this. And just looking at it brings me joy. Looking at the books in there and knowing that it might take me a whole year with this mom schooling basket to get through these books. But I'm going to get through the books. You know, I'm going to work at it a little bit each week. And I like the, fun, the mom schooling handbook because it's got some places for you to do coloring. Just little bits here and there. But I really do feel more peaceful if I spend even five minutes coloring in a little bird on this thing. And then she also suggested that you put in a little bag of treats or chocolates in there. So I put in some Lily's chocolate chips, which are, um, uh, you know, a sugar-free chocolate chip. I'll link to those too if you're like, oh, Kristen, tell me more about this. They're my favorites. And because she said, you know, if you've got a little bag of chocolates and you eat a few, you're probably going to have kids swarming around. Oh, mama, can I have one? And then they'll, they'll be interested and might pull out their fun schooling things too. But they see mama doing her school, which is a good example. But but my basket has my books. It's got a candle. It's got a pretty mug in it. For me, I usually just drink water out of a mug. I'm not a big tea or anything else drinker. I don't drink coffee. But I do like having a pretty mug. So I've got my mug and I've got a candle in there. I've got a little uh, scented animal. You know, he's got essential oil scents in him. And he's just like a little beanbag guy that can sit on my with me. Anyways, it's just fun stuff. Little things that are nourishing to me. Yours would probably look totally different than mine. But it's a way that a few times a week, even for a little bit of time, I can nourish myself. And I mentioned like in the morning times, even during the school year, I'm trying to do things to nourish myself. I have a quiet time every morning where I sit down with the scriptures and I sit down and I pray. And, you know, I ask God for wisdom for the day to help me love my kids more, to help me love my life more, to help me be thankful for everything. You know, that's nourishing time for me. So what the reason why I'm talking to you about all this is because I want you to think about what nourishes you. And just like we talked about in the last couple of episodes, which if you haven't listened to those, I would encourage you to do so. Look at your whole week. Like I said, I can't spend time with this basket that is just so delightful to me every day. There's just no way that's going to work with my life right now. But there's a few times a week when I can sit down with it on Fridays, a couple of afternoons for a little bit of time every week, and on some Saturdays, which is our day of rest. You know, I'm going to be able to spend some time with this, and it really helps nourish me. For some moms, it's like getting a bath. I remember reading a book from uh, a mom who had a lot of kids who, for her, it was taking a bath most nights. And she found a way that even in the craziness of her nights, she could work that in most nights. So it, it can be different for you. For a lot of moms, it's, it's exercise. I've got a friend uh, who has a little one, and for her, it's being able to find time to run most afternoons. So find time to do what nourishes you, even if you can't do it every day. Build in some of these times. Um... I and thinking about things that that create joy for me one of the things is I've been trying to be more intentional with my eating and finding ways to simplify but also create joy for myself so one of the things that I've been doing I'm trying to get more calcium and more potassium because I don't want to have kidney stones anymore so pistachios are high in potassium and so I've been giving myself like a little cup, like a little quarter cup of pistachios with my lunch. And that gives me joy because I think they taste so good. Maybe you don't like pistachios and that's fine. But they taste so good. And it's just a little treat with my lunch every day. So it could be like a small treat or a cup of tea or something that gives you joy. Another thing for me that gives me joy is dancing. Yesterday afternoon, I had a lot to do, but I was really dragging. And so I put on, I think I might have mentioned this before. I will put a link in the show notes in case you're curious. But um, I like Misty from Body Groove. 
I love her videos. She's just so fun in them. And so I just picked my one of my favorite videos and I fast forwarded through the first dance to where there was a little bit more of an active dance. And, you know, she's telling you to get up and move and move your booty and smile and everything. And just I spent 10 minutes just kind of dancing while I got my office space set up. As I mentioned on last week's episode, I've been using a folding table and it didn't take the drowsiness away completely, but I felt a lot better and a lot happier and a lot more rejuvenated after I did that. So again, I'm, I'm sharing examples from my life, not because you need to copy me, but because I want you to see that there are little ways, 10 minute, 30 minute chunks here and there that you can nourish yourself and that really help. And this is along with things that are typical, like giving your kids a routine and a bedtime, like I talk about in the chaos to calm class. And you know, if you need to, seeking out a counselor or a trusted friend or advisor or a mentor, those are all things that can be really good. But there are also so many tiny things throughout the day that can create joy or can give us a moment of peace, a moment of calm in the chaos. And that intentionality can really mean a lot. I, like another thing for me is, is having a cozy electric blanket. And, you know, we're at the time of year where it's cold here in Michigan. And a cozy electric blanket and my chair is lovely for me. I was working at the library recently and I took my electric blanket to the library because it was cold. It's going to get even colder, but right now it's like, man, I'm not I'm not quite ready to say, "Hey, the cold weather is here to stay." So I carried my blanket with me to the library and plugged that in cuz I was going to be working for a few hours. And you know, it just gave me joy to be cu- cuddled up with my blanket over my lap, getting a lot of work done. It gave me joy, even in the midst of a busy work day, which is what it was for me. Let's let's pivot and talk a little bit about kids. So I mentioned that uh, I we have a calm down spot, which is if you have special needs kids, you may have heard about this because it's more common in special needs classrooms. And I have special needs spectrum kids, and so. This is an idea that I took from some special needs teachers as I was looking through resources to help our family. And I think it should really be in place for every family. And it is a calm down spot. So it's not a timeout spot, but rather it's, you know, it's an appealing and comforting spot that a, a child can go when they know that they need to calm down. And so our calm down spot has a calm down box in it. And the calm down box has a number of different things in it. It's got like a couple of little, I mean, they're like the baby books, like the baby board books that have the different textures on the page because sometimes that sensory stuff can really help. Uh, Sensory stimulation can help somebody calm down. So there's ones that's puppies and kittens and each page that you turn has something that you can touch. And there's another one that's got more uh, like silicone type elements that are more rubby. I I really like, I like there's ones on that one that I like because they feel good under your fingers. Um, And then I've got a couple of toys that have like colored water and sparkles in them. So you can, you know, you can flip those back and forth. One is like an hourglass kind of looking thing. And so the bubbles go down and you see the color shift around. And then a couple have stars and glitter and sparkles. So you flip them up and down and the sparkles and glitters and everything fall from one side to the other. There's a couple of toys that are just really nubby texture toys, um, like a couple that could be chewed on. I I have had kids in the past who have definitely chewed when they're stressed. I would say right now that I feel like most of my kids are moving past that, but those toys that, that I have that have the nubbies and textures on them, could either be held in the hand and squeezed by a kid, or if I had a kid who needed to chew on something, they could do that. Um, And you probably know, like, kids who chew up the cuffs of their, you know, the cuffs of their shirts or the collars of their shirts. Like, some kids, it's just, that's an anxiety thing. And so giving them something that is, okay, like a silicone chew, you can get them on Amazon that are made to be able to stand up to a kid chewing on them. Um other kids like they'll chew apart their water bottle spouts I have water bottle spouts that get get chewed up those kids just tend to like that oral tactile thing can help them to cope and so you have something in there that that can help cater to that um let's see what else is in there um I did have like some squishy ball things in there but I think those went those went away they got they got squished out um 
there is a stuffed animal in there, sometimes more than one because sometimes kids will add other stuffed animals, but there's a stuffed elephant in there that's super soft that has a couple different textures. Like he's super soft, like a minky in his body, and then his ears are a different texture, also super soft, but have some ridges and stuff. So he's in there um, always to just be a good friend. And there's other little bits of things in there. You could You could think about, you can like search for calm down spot ideas and that sort of thing and see what other moms are putting in. Play-Doh or something might be good, especially if you had only one kid. I don't know that I would put Play-Doh in with mine, but I think that's something that some moms put in. But basically, it's an area that is meant to, to be a sensory place. And one of the things that I'm adding in this year is a calm down book that I got from, again, a special needs teacher, I think on Teachers Pay Teachers. And I have to print it out and laminate it, but it's one that it's just got faces and shows different feelings, like different facial expressions. And I want to use that with my older kids to help them start to identify, or even my, you know, with Phoenix, like, what are your feelings? What are you feeling? And this would be after you calm down, like point two, which one was the way that you felt? And then we can talk about that and affirm that as they've calmed down. So our calm down spot is a place that a kid can go and take a minute. And I, like one of my older kids was having trouble calming down with feeling frustrated with math yesterday. And I said, you know what? I need you to to take three deep, deep breaths and calm down. And I was in the middle of trying to help another kid too, which is what usually happens when you're a mom of old, you know, more than one child. And I said, you know, I'm helping your sibling with this. So I need you to take three deep breaths and calm down and wait on me. Or if you don't think that you can do that, I'm okay with you going to the calm down spot. And this child opted to go to the calm down spot. And like, they were really upset. And it was like 10 minutes later, I I was just wrapping up with the other child and I hadn't even gone in there to check. And this child was back in my room because I was doing like a one-on-one meeting with the other kid. This child was back in my room, bouncy and happy and rolling all over the place. And I was like, you know what? I, you were just super upset. So sometimes just taking that space can be helpful. And we did talk. I did talk with the child about, you know, I know you were feeling overwhelmed and this is what was going on. And these were strategies that helped. And I wanted you to stop because you have a tendency, this kid has a tendency to spiral down. Like if one thing's wrong, it's like dominoes falling. Everything in the world is against this child. And I want them to realize that tendency. So, you know, this I really just wanted to share about the calm down spot. And I ended up going into an anecdote <laughs> that talks about teaching resiliency, utilizing the calm down spot. And, and that's kind of what I wanted you to, to get from this is I want you to give your child space to calm down, both like a physical space like the calm down spot, but also an emotional space like holding that aura. There's that aura, that space that you hold where you stay calm and where you have a calm tone, but you give them the space to get themselves calm. So you want to give them space to calm down. But I, I also believe it's super important to teach them that they can handle their emotions. I, I think today's parents tend to err a lot on I'm going to give my child space to feel their emotion but we don't teach them conversely that they have the ability to control their emotions like if you remember several episodes ago the um the episode on dealing with stress during pregnancy and even if you're not pregnant you may want to go listen to that episode because I do talk a lot about handling stress and and mindset and choosing you know how how you can err on the side of of happiness. And that's what we want to teach our kids. Like we do want to teach them, as I just talked about with you, that it's okay to take a moment and it's okay to figure out what we're feeling. And it's definitely also okay if you need to, to discuss that with somebody or even to have hard conversations with a person who's impacted you. You know, if you feel like somebody, that you're feeling upset or sad as a result of somebody's actions, then it's okay to talk with that person about that. So I'm not at all talking about hiding feelings or emotions in this episode, but I am talking about realizing that we and teaching our children that they are not controlled by emotions, that we can be in control of our emotions so we can acknowledge how we feel and sometimes take a moment if it really hits us or triggers us, but then we can also be resilient and move forward. And that's really important. A baseline for working on this with kids is realizing that kids feel a lot of anxiety. 
Like they have more anxiety than adults. I would say that there are definitely times when I can feel a lot of anxiety. I have trouble in a lot of situations. I'm still impacted by trauma. My neurobiology is definitely not typical. And I have a lot of anxiety, but kids have even more anxiety because when you think about it, relatively little about their lives is in their control. It's all at the whim of the adults in their lives and sometimes older siblings and other caretakers. You know, they don't have a ton of control, so they feel more anxiety. And I think it's important for us to realize that as parents when we're thinking about creating ways for them to calm down is to think about, okay, what, you know, what is really going on with them and what are they feeling? And so the the foundation of creating routines that help kids calm down is creating a world that helps hold them and support them with less anxiety. Of course, there's going to be anxiety and frustration and stress in their lives. And just like I talked about the good enough mom, you know, we want them to experience some of that because we want the opportunity to teach them. We want the opportunity to help them develop resilience. But we also want to, as much as possible, eliminate unnecessary anxiety. So one of the ways that you do that is by creating structures and routines that help them know what's going on. So it can be tough for a kid if they never know how you're going to react or how you're going to respond or what each day holds, which is why little children and even older children tend to thrive on routine. When things go in an orderly fashion that they expect, they feel less anxiety and they they're they're also less annoying. I mean, I'm going to say that I'm a mom of 8. Sometimes kids can get annoying, and when I've noticed that it tends to be when things are shifted, when the routine is shifted and they don't know what to expect. And so I'm not saying that as like a to diss my kids or anything, but it can get stressful for you when things are off the routine or out of the ordinary and then your kid is like what's going on mama when are we gonna do this when are we gonna 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 and you're like oh just leave me alone because I'm I'm trying I'm trying to keep myself afloat here and I don't need you to keep pastoring me but they're pastoring because they feel anxious so life is always going to get crazy and there's going to be some things that change here and there or you know, more often than here and there. But what you really want is to try and create structures and routine that for the most part, help them to know what's going on. It doesn't mean that you always tell them what's going on. Like my kids and I are going on a field trip soon. And I told them, you know what, we're going on a field trip. But I didn't tell them where we were going because I wanted to surprise them. And there's been a few things like this past fall that I did to surprise them. And I kind of gave them a heads up that something's coming out of the ordinary, but I didn't spill at all because I I like surprising them and creating joy for them. But for the most part, trying to keep things normal. Like if I know I'm going to be gone, especially like I'm gone on Tuesday afternoons because I have my counseling appointment. Usually I stay in town on Tuesday evenings. But if I know I'm going to be gone on a day that's not typical for me to be gone, like one of my kids just went through driver's ed, so kept having to be gone at weird times for him to have driving practice. And so I tried to let my kids know in advance, look, mama's going to be gone because we've got to go driving. And so creating systems and routines that are normal and then giving your kids some sort of heads up when it's going to change can be really helpful to reduce anxiety. And that creates more calmness overall. Another thing is you being consistent in the way that you react to them. This is something that I found really, really challenging. And the thing that helped me the most, um, and I'm sure that I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but was Nicolene Peck's Teaching Self-Government class. She's got a book, great place to start. And then I've also taken her class with her too. But she really helped me to understand how I can be calm. Like she teaches four basic skills that you teach your kids. And uh, the thing that's been really nice for me is that I've realized those four basic skills are really applicable to me. Now, if you're going to get her book, 
She's released a second edition of the book. Make sure that you get the second edition because I feel like she does a great job and she's expanded a little bit in the second edition and does a great job of helping you understand how these skills that you're going to teach your kids, like learning how to follow instruction as the first skill, those skills are applicable throughout all of life. And, and believe me, she doesn't want your kids to be mindless robots, but Learning how to listen to, pay attention to somebody, connect with another human being and tell them that you've understood their instruction and either follow the instruction or disagree appropriately. Disagreeing appropriately is another skill that you teach. You know, that's something that's useful throughout your life. But she really highlights ways that this is useful and it has really made light bulbs go on for me like, oh, I get this and how this is applicable to me. It's almost like parenting myself while I'm parenting my kids and But the thing is, is, you know, she teaches these skills and she also talks about having vision for your home and tone. She talks about creating time in your week every week to connect as a family, to connect with each of your children one-on-one. Lots of practical stuff. It's not all like disciplinarian stuff. And for those of you that have a problem with spanking, it's definitely teaching your kids with no spanking, no corporal punishment, but I believe it's still exceedingly effective. Perhaps the most effective and intentional parenting method that I've ever come across. And in 21 years, of parenting that has been a lot so I'm saying you know I'll link to her in the show notes I just really like her system but you know she talks about being consistent and that rather than being you know ignoring your kids one day and exploding at them the next day and you know one day you give this consequence and the next day you give a different consequence like they always know because you're going to be consistent and she suggests a consequence that you can use but she also gives you freedom to choose your own but that, that consequence is always consistent. So the child always knows what to expect. They always know that you're going to respond in the same way. So with my child that was melting down about math, and then today I had another child who was trying to build a fork and it wasn't going well. And they were having a meltdown. It was like, you know what? I can see that you're having trouble being in control. So I want you to stop for a minute and take three deep breaths. That's, you know... And then once they take three deep breaths, assuming that they do that, if they don't, there's another procedure that I'll follow. But it's just now I could see that you were really upset because your fort was falling apart. So that it's a script, but and that might sound stilted and weird. But the thing is, is that script helps you be consistent every single time, which helps you stay calmer, which is so important. It helps you step back and stay calm. It causes you to sit down and go, what is going on with this child? Because you need to acknowledge them in that. And then it helps you to give them an instruction, which is to take three deep breaths. And then you go forward from there, either talking to them for a moment about what was happening or if they stay out of control, encouraging them to go to the calm down spot or or if they need to, you know, if they continue to be kind of having a fit, there are steps that you follow then. But what it is, is it's always consistent. It's always the same thing. So there's no anxiety for the child that, you know, today is one of mom's good days. So she's just going to, you know, let me off with a small punishment. Or today mom's out of it so I can get away with anything. And then, oh no, today's a bad day. So I better watch it because this time mama might blow her steamer. Oh crap, I miscalculated and mom is now freaking chewing me out. It removes that. And I'm not saying that you will be perfect. I had a moment earlier today where I was trying to get in here to record these podcasts. I was going to let the kids watch a movie. And they kept on like, Mama, can we look at the movie? Mama, 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 can we pick our movie? Mama, Mama. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to get in there to record the podcast if you don't let me finish up what I'm doing right now. So please leave me alone. You know, and I didn't even say it quite that nicely. I was, you know, I snapped a bit. So you're not always perfect. But for the most part, your child knows that you're going to keep yourself under control and you're going to be consistent with them. And like I said, the reason I mentioned Nicolene's teaching self-government is because it is a system that for me is very intuitive, very practical. It's teaching skills that are actually needed. And it it's also makes it relatively easy for me to be consistent all the time, even when I feel tired, which I do a lot of giving corrections to kids. And she talks about, you know, teaching them that they're in control of their emotions, just like you are. You can teach them that they can be calm by you staying calm. And this is one thing that I'm praying about that I'm working on is is how I talk to them and and deliver corrections to them or even let them know that they're out of control. I want to be calm within myself and even, you know, maybe not happy, but with a pleasant attitude so that they see that 
this correction that I'm giving them and this skill that I'm teaching them is out of love. So the, you know, these are all things to work on to help them calm down. So you want to create spaces that support them if they need a moment to calm down and be with them. And sometimes you can see there are needs that your child has. Like if you know that your child is overtired, then that's going to impact them. And you want to, you want to work with them and help them and say, okay, we're just going to chill and take it easy. Or we, this was a few weeks ago for us in the fall. You know, we just had back to back to back stuff going on and it was crazy. And I could see after those days that my kids were burned out. They needed to be at home. Everybody was a little crabby. And so, you know, I, I was still there like, okay, I can see that you need to calm down or you just snapped at your brother. So you've earned an extra chore kind of thing. But I also did it with a spirit of being aware. I know we've all had a hard day or like as we're getting ready to come home from our from our out of town weekend. It's like it can be hard when you're at the end of an event that you anticipated and looked forward to and now it's over and you're tired and you're a little bit down and so it's easier to snap at other people. You know, so you are teaching them and holding space for them and bringing awareness to them about the normalcy of their emotions and also that they have choices and how they handle that. And of course, some of this verbalization won't necessarily need to be done with little ones. Like if you have little ones, sometimes it's just holding space for them and realizing that they're cranky, they're crabby. And you may make a statement like, oh, you're so tired and maybe you're feeling crabby because you're feeling tired, but you're not going to give them a longer explanation than that. But you can still be with them for little ones. Uh, if I were to have a little one go to the calm down spot, I would have them in the calm down spot somewhere where they were in my line of sight so that they could check in with me. And if I had a little one that was really out of control, I might sit there on the floor near them Um and give them a moment, but I would also be encouraging them to calm down. So there's, especially with littler ones, like that right there connection and maybe even physical connection can be really important as you're creating the spaces for them. But thinking through what are you going to do and then also being firm in your parenting and practicing sometimes giving no's, teaching your children to accept a no answer. That's another skill that Nicolene teaches, accepting an instruction, disagreeing appropriately, um, accepting a no answer. That's another skill that kids need to learn. But doing that with compassion and teaching that intentionally can really help. Like we just don't teach our children skills that help them to be resilient and that's what we need to do is teach skills for resiliency. You also want to listen to your kids. I mentioned it earlier, but it's the I know you. And I, I've been working with my kids on disagreeing appropriately with one another. And I teach them to start with. I know you really want to look through. This was another issue that happened with my kids. I know you really want to look through my drawings. But my drawings are private and I don't want you to look through them. So I teach my child to acknowledge his sibling's desire to look through his drawings, but then to say, you know, these are my drawings and I have a boundary and I don't want you to look at them. And then I would teach his sibling to say, okay, but the sibling might also say, you know what, I know you don't want me to see, but I was really interested in that dragon that you were drawing. You know, so teaching them to kind of negotiate and talk back and forth, but do it calmly so these are, these are skills that you teach, but the big part of that is acknowledging the other person and really connecting to them. And when you work on these skills for yourself, and this goes back to what we talked about with you too, is learning to identify your feelings and be comfortable with being in the icky feelings sometimes so that you know, like one of the things that I'll tell my kids is, mama feels sad right now or mama feels overwhelmed and I'm struggling and so I want you to know that's what's going on, and I may not be upset at you, but that may be why mama feels a little bit short. And then again, acknowledging their tough feelings. So it's just holding the space for them and listening to them, listening to their feelings. I would recommend having times that you check in with your kids each day, or at least a time where you're really invested in them on a weekly basis, where you're really listening and intentionally asking, is everything okay? Do you have anything going on? And if you start this early, where like there's a nighttime, a bedtime is a good time to do it, where you kind of have a debrief with them and you talk with them 
uh, it, it's less awkward as they get older because they're used to that. And then with even with older kids like teens and stuff, one of the nice times can be when you're in the car because sometimes they'll just start talking to you. But those are ways that you can help your kids calm down. And some of this is systematic stuff that you build into your life. And I started with you because when you're grounded, that can really help so much. And then when you create these spaces, like a literal physical space, and then create ways that you can be consistent. And one thing about the consistent is it doesn't always have to be right away. I really like this. Nicolene says in her course, if you respond consistently and say you've assigned your child an extra chore as a consequence, they know that's the consequence they're going to earn. But you guys are not somewhere where it can be done right now. Like maybe you have five other kids clamoring for you, but they know that you're going to come back to it. You know, put a note in your pocket, email yourself something, put a sticky note on your monitor, on your kitchen cabinet or on your fridge or something, and then come back to it. They know that there's always that consistency, even if it can't be immediacy. So that's it. You know, you take care of you, develop resilience, give yourself respect for your feelings, listen to their feelings, create physical spaces that both of you guys can calm down or all of you guys can calm down. And also come up with consistent routines that help you respond to your children when they're not feeling calm. Ways that you can respond calmly, even if you're exhausted, I definitely get it. And I feel like at the end of a long day when sometimes they're having trouble because they're tired and everybody's tempers are a little short and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no energy left for this. But you can still do it. And just remember too, and I know that we're getting long here, so I'll wrap up. But do remember that you get to choose you get to choose. One of my biggest things that I think has made a difference over the past few months for me is praying every morning, God, help me love my children more. Not that I don't love my kids, but help me love them more. Help me love even the tough times. And I was reading in a book recently where she was talking about, you know, let me give thanks for all of it. And that that book, I've got that in my mom basket, so I'll tell you what it is. It's called Life's Messy, Live Happy by Cy Wakeman, in case you're curious about that. I'm not done with the book yet, but what I've read so far has been really good. Uh, so I just want you to realize, and, and again, I'm speaking to you, gentle mom, who might be in a dark place, who you've got a baby step. So baby step, and that's okay. But just realize that you can start to get to the place where you can say, please help me to be grateful for all of it, even the challenging days. And my, I feel like God's answered that prayer for me. Most of the time, I still have really tough, really difficult days from time to time. But most of them, I would say, are pretty good. And I, I also feel like I can add on to my prayer now. Help me smile more every day. Like be more intentional about smiling. That's my kind of addition, my plus one onto my prayer that I've been praying in an ongoing fashion. So anyways, just realize that you can build these routines into your family, both practical in the moment things that help everybody calm down, as well as overall routines that decrease anxiety and stress in your family. And go back and listen to the last couple episodes about being intentional with your time, because that's really going to help you as well um, to do this you know, just being that intentional person and realizing that you have a lot more freedom than you may realize when you look at your 168 hour week and then how many hours that adds up into a month and a year and across your child's lifetime and across your lifetime and that there is just a lot of freedom there and there's also a lot of room for growth for yourself and a lot of room for intentional resilience that you choose to learn and that you choose to teach your kids. So hopefully this has been encouraging to you. Next week we're going to talk about, we're going to pivot a little bit um, back to pregnancy and we're going to talk about what to do when you feel like your doctor or your midwife, your care provider isn't supportive of your natural birth. So I will talk to you then. Until then, if you want to hear from me, you can go to... Um, trustbirth101.com that's trustbirth101.com the numerals and sign up for the newsletter list I send out an email an encouraging email information news about new podcasts live videos I do a live video every week send all that information out to the newsletter list you can jump on there and check that out I would love to have you trustbirth101.com and with that have a blessed week thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen Burgess for great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.